Hey, Clarksburg Baptist Church, we're so excited to be able to be with you this morning and to worship with you. If you're excited, let us know down there in the comments that you can't wait to hear from God's Word. I'm so glad we've been able to worship together. Hopefully you've been singing out in your homes even now, but I cannot wait to jump into this message. So let's go ahead and pray and we'll get started. Dear Jesus, we love you, God. Help us to be witnesses for you. God, help us to show the world how amazing and how awesome you are, God. You've been so good to us. You've forgiven us and you've given us mercy and grace. And God, we just cannot thank you enough. Lord, right now, as we uh, open your word, God, change us forever today, God. Change us in this moment right now. In your name we pray, amen. You know, there's a three-word phrase in the Bible that I've read over many, many, many times and never really thought twice about it. It's this three-word phrase, among the nations, among the nations. And the Bible says that dozens and dozens of times throughout scripture. But uh, if you look at the King James Bible, it actually translates it as this, among the heathen. Now that's kind of a, a different word, a word that we don't use very often today, heathen, but it simply means those that are unbelievers, those that do not worship God, maybe even those that reject God or, or those that serve other gods. Now, I don't recommend you using that word for your unchurched friends, calling them heathens. I, that's probably not going to sit right today. But when it says among the nations, that's the idea that we have, right? We see this phrase in the Bible. It's more than just a geographical statement. It means people that have never heard or are unfamiliar with the gospel, or maybe even people that outright reject God. Now, in the Old Testament, it uses this phrase in three different ways. Now, like I said before, it says it dozens of times, but in the Old Testament, it uses it three different ways. At the beginning of the, uh, the Old Testament, it uses this phrase as a punishment. God tells the people of Israel, hey, if you aren't careful, if you don't watch out, I'm going to scatter you among the nations. And we saw that happen because God's people did not obey. And we saw the Egyptians and the uh, Syrians and the uh, Babylonians scatter the Jewish people among the nations, among the heathens. So that's how it's used in the beginning. In the end of the Old Testament, it's used as a promise for the people of God, where God says, I'm going to gather you from among the nations. But in the middle of the Old Testament, we see God's people using this phrase to God. And they say things like this, I will exalt you among the heathen. I will exalt you among the nations. We see that in 2 Samuel twenty-two fifty. They say, for this I will praise you, O Lord, among the nations and sing praises to your name. First Chronicles 16, 24 says, declare his glory among the nations and sing praises to your name. First Chronicles 16, 24 says, declare his glory among the nations. I think I might've just read that one. Let me do it again though. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous work among all people. Psalms 18:49 says, therefore will I give thanks to thee, O Lord. Ha where? To who? Among the nations and sing praises unto his name. Psalms 46:10 says, for this I will praise you, O Lord, 
among the nations. Are you, are you catching this? Are you seeing the uh, you know, pattern here? And they're going to sing to your name. Psalms 96.3 says, declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all people. Hey, our faith should not be private. We're supposed to declare it among unbelievers. Psalms 96.9 says, worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved, and he will judge people with equity or justice. Let the heavens be glad, and let the earth rejoice. Let the sea roar, and all that fills it. Last one here, Psalms 126.2. It says, Then our mouth was filled with laughter, and our tongue with shouts of joy. Then they said, Among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. See, we speak the words among the nations and among the heathen, among unbelievers so much that then they begin to say and praise the Lord and say, hey, look at those people. God has done great things for them. It's verse after verse, you see God's people saying, I'm going to praise God. I'm going to thank God and lift up his name to who? To sinners and to unbelievers among the nations, among the heathen. I'm not just going to do it in the church building. I'm going to get it out there in the world. Now, it's important for us to remember that the Bible was not originally written to Caucasian Americans. No, actually, it was written to Middle Eastern uh, Jewish people, olive-skinned, brown-toned people. This is who it was written to. But because of the cross, us Caucasians, us Gentiles, we get to be adopted into the message of the gospel. Man, isn't that exciting? In Galatians 1, this Middle Eastern man named Paul tells us of his conversion and his call and his life's mission that God gave him to give the gospel to the heathen. And that's exciting. Why? Because that's us. That's Gentiles. Paul says this in Galatians 1. He says, But when he who had set me apart before I was born and called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him where? Among the Gentiles. Paul says before he was even born, he was called, he was set apart to preach to the Gentiles, to the sinners, to the unbelievers, to those that did not know the gospel. And if we as a church ever really want to see this world change, to see this country change, if we ever want to be part of a real revival and a moving of God in our time, then we have to decide whether we want our priority to be to entertain fellow Christians or to proclaim the gospel to unreached people. We've got to decide what our priority is, just to make each other happy or to proclaim the gospel among the nations. See, it's great to praise God in private, and it's great to praise and exalt God in a church building, but if we really believe that sin hurts people, that selfishness ruins us, and if we really believe uh, when we look out on this world and we see people and their problems and their needs, and we see that they're hurting and that they need a change, if we really believe all that, then there's only one 
choice. We must exalt Christ to those that are not yet believers. We must exalt Christ to those that are not yet believers. See, the church is the only organization whose priority and purpose should be serving those that are outside the organization. Let me say that again. The church is the only organization whose priority and purpose is to serve those outside of the organization. We don't exist as a body of Christ for us. We're not selfish and we're not uh, self-serving. The body of Christ, we, us as a family, are there for them, those that are not yet us, but we want them to be. We have to put others first. We exist for them. I present to you that everything we do must be centered around the gospel. What is the gospel? The message that Jesus died and rose again from the grave. And because of that, he beat every sin and every shame that we've ever had. And we can be born again. And we can have a new life and we can be changed forever, once and for all. We've got to center our lives, our church, everything around that. And anything we do as a church that's not centered around the gospel must be reevaluated. Everything that we do must be centered around reaching people, people that are not here yet. We must exalt God among the nations. Bob Goff said this, I don't want to just be an advertisement for Jesus. I want to be proof. When people look at me and look at you and look at our church, they should see us and say, Hey, Jesus is who he said he was, not just because we say so, but because we are proof. Our lives must be centered around the gospel. Our marriages needs to be pictures of how much Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Our parenting is supposed to be uh, uh, discipling our children in the instructions contained in God's word. See, parents, more than ever, it should be clear to you that it's your responsibility to teach your children about Jesus. We are to train them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And our love for them ought to be a picture of Christ's love and God the Father's love for his children. And even our career is supposed to be a picture of the gospel. If we work our jobs in the way that God intended, then we aren't serving our boss. We're serving the Lord. Colossians 3.23 tells us whatever you do, work heartily. That means go the extra mile. As for the Lord, not for men. Knowing that from the Lord, you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Jesus Christ. So what does that mean? It means work hard. Stop complaining about how your boss is a big doofus. Why? Because you're not working for him. You're working for Jesus. God is in charge anyway. And when you obey the boss, then you are pleasing the Lord. So work for Jesus. Whether you're working for FedEx or for an insurance company or McDonald's, work for Jesus. And that means obeying and honoring those that God has put in leadership over us. Work as if you're working for Jesus. And I know that's hard sometimes because some of our bosses do not resemble Jesus in any way. But we, through our work, can worship the Lord. And people are looking for proof of the gospel in your life about what sets you apart and what makes you different. Every aspect of our life should exalt God among unbelievers. 
but not just with our life, with our mouths as well, because how can they hear without a preacher? We have to speak the gospel as well. It's not enough just to try and uh, act it out, although that's important. It's important for us to be the proof, but we have to speak the words as well. And it's not enough for us to exalt uh, God among the saints. We have to exalt God among the ain'ts as well. We used to be able to sing and go into the building, right? And to sing at the top of our lungs and get real excited about that. And I miss that and you miss that too. But when was the last time you talked to a person that wasn't yet a follower of Christ about how Jesus changed your life? You don't understand how much more worshipful that can be to lift up the name of God to someone that isn't yet a believer. Man, that is how we worship and exalt our God. And if you're not exalting God and shining a light in the darkness that lies outside the doors of the church, then can you really say what you do inside the doors of the church is real? Are you ever among unbelievers? Do you know any? If not, you need to get out there. That means you don't know enough people. <laughs> Paul and the Peter and the apostles and the disciples didn't wait for everybody to come to them. They went to the community. They the biggest word in the uh, Great Commission is the word go, go. You've got to find unbelievers. Are you a picture of the gospel? This is the mission that Jesus has left for us. Go into the world and preach the gospel. We've got to have a urgency about the Great Commission. Uh, Jesus left this mission for us. We have to find ways to be creative, to exalt God among unbelievers. There's no time to get all caught up in spreading gossip about how Sister Susie's marriage is falling apart. Instead, let's pray for her and come alongside her instead of talking trash about her, right? There's no uh, time for drama about what parts we play. There's no time for grumbling about how no one appreciates you or how someone else got recognized for something that you deserve to get recognized for more. Why? Because real lives, real families, real souls are at stake. And hey, praise God, someone exalted Jesus among a heathen like me. We've got to get out there because there's a world full of unreached people that don't know that they are destined for eternal separation from God in a place called hell. And maybe the only way they find out is through your witness and through your testimony. The picture of Christ in your marriage, in your parenting, in your career, the words that come out of your mouth. This is such a strange time of isolation, but it will show us how genuine we are with our faith. Are we walking it when no one else is watching? Are we living it even though nobody else knows what's going on? Are we sincere followers? Is it easier now just to skip? You know, hey, I don't even have to go to church now and now I don't even have to turn it on anymore. Hey, we cannot neglect each other. And this is how we can do it right now. Hey, look, the next time you see a person that's living like a heathen, why don't we remember first and foremost that they need Jesus? They need Jesus. It doesn't matter what they look like. It doesn't matter how they talk. It doesn't matter what they do. They need Jesus first because without Jesus, you might be in the very same boat. Tim Keller said, if you were a hundred times worse than you are, your sins would still be no match for his mercy. That means no one is too far. 
even if you're a hundred times worse than you are, you still, your sin still wouldn't be a match for his mercy. Hey, look, you want a good opening line to talk about Jesus? Just ask him about this election, right? Ask him what they think about it. But then you can do this, you know, turn and say, you know what I think could mean real hope and real change today in this world? Jesus Christ. Jesus is the one that can make things different. Let me tell you about how Jesus has changed me from the inside out. And you can turn a conversation in that direction. And then maybe invite them to a house party. Take them lunch one day. Ask them to read a book of the Bible with you and talk through it. You might not have all the answers. That's okay. There's a, another three-word phrase that's really great and, and people that are unbelievers. And in fact, I really appreciate it too. It's this three-word phrase that says, I don't know. Hey, look, there's things in here that I don't yet understand and it's okay not to know. You can read a book of the Bible. You can do a, a right now media Bible study. And it's free for people and you can watch videos together and ask each other questions and dig deeper into your faith. Look, you've got to still live it out. You've got to find ways to connect. And it's harder now than it's ever maybe been before, but we've got to do it. We can call them and we can talk to them. We can say, hey, you ought to join us online for church. We've got to get out there to the unbeliever. The world is full of people that don't know that they're destined for separation from God for all eternity. And the way they might find out is through your life. You might be the only Bible they ever read. You might be the only Christian that is really living it out that they might ever know. We've got to get out there. Because there's many people that think they're Christians, but their faith is based on something else. They've heard a different gospel. They've listened to a different uh, word. And people have twisted scripture so they think that, well, now that they're a member of the church, that means they're saved or their parents' faith was enough or they got baptized and they, they think that they're a Christian, but they don't know that there's nothing different about them. Many of them may even think that they're Christians, but we've got to get out there and live a genuine faith and be a picture of Christ. And they need to see it through our marriage and through our parenting and through our careers and through our words. It might just be their best hope. The time is now to exalt Jesus among the nations. We don't have time to waste time. We don't want to ha have time to make excuses. Reaching the lost for Christ is what we need to do. We need to get out there and watch their posts and look for people that are hurting, struggling through sickness or a death or, or depression. And we need to call them up or we need to hit them up privately on the side and say, hey, not, not just, I'm here for you, but hey, how can, how can I help? Or hey, I'm bringing you lunch. You don't know how encouraging it's been to my family through going through this time of sickness, especially Tori, man. She could get real depressed about uh, everything that's going on. And just the simple card that some of you have sent has meant so much. And it's inspired us to be better in that way. It's convicted us to do better in that way. And I hope you join us to be people that connect with people and jump out and to show the world that we love Jesus and he loves us. Now is the time. Reaching the lost for Christ has to be our top priority. We have to get creative. Francis Chan said this, and it's so convicting. He says, isn't it embarrassing that we can't look people in the eye and talk about the most amazing thing in our lives? Jesus. Isn't that convicting? Why is it so hard for us to talk about Jesus? 
Why is it so hard for us to exalt him among unbelievers? Our prayer today must be, God, help my marriage to reach people with the love of Christ. Let people see uh, the sacrificial love of Jesus through my marriage. God, help my parenting to preach that there is a Father in heaven that has good plans for us. God, help my career to show how holy and gracious and forgiving and merciful and kind you are. Help me to work hard and go the extra mile so that people might see that ultimately I'm working for you. God, give me the boldness to, to speak the gospel. And sometimes this is the hardest part because we're so scared that we're gonna offend people. But we can't offend them with saying that this is what God has done for us and that Jesus died and took the punishment that they deserved. 2 Samuel twenty-two fifty. we'll read again that says, Therefore I will give thanks unto thee, O Lord, among the nations, among the unbelievers, and I will sing praises to your name. Let's decide together that we're going to bring up Jesus to those that aren't yet believers. Let's uh, let them find us singing spiritual songs about the name of Jesus. Let's ask if we can pray with them about anything. Let's tell them every uh, lost person, let's tell them that we can have a relationship with God and that he loves us so much. Let's tell them every blessing that he's ever given us. Let's be thankful for people and not complainers. And let's be people that pr press through our circumstances instead of uh, getting, uh, having pity parties. Let's keep our eyes on the next life. There's a lot of lies out there about who Jesus is, and they need to hear the truth, and they might just hear it through you. Let's lift up the name to every lost person because it's easy to praise God in the church, but now you can't. You gotta do it outside. We should have been doing it all along. But we have to be a shining light in this darkness. Let's exalt God among the unbelievers. This is such a hard thing for us to do. I don't know why. If we really thought about it, we'd know that this is what we need to do. It's so important. It's a priority. We should be scared of people. And yes, I, I, you know, obviously we, we shouldn't start debates and arguments but it's too big, it's too important not to talk about. God loves this world, God loves you. Go and tell someone about it. Maybe you're here today and you don't yet have a relationship with God. You're watching in your home and you're not sure that you're a child of God. You can accept it today. We preach all about the gospel today. And that's this, that you're a sinner. That's not me being judgmental. I'm a sinner too. Every person that's ever lived, you're in, we're in the same boat. We've committed sin. We've broken God's laws and we put ourselves first and we've chosen to use our free will to make ourselves king instead of God. That's a problem. It separates us from God. But God himself came and walked on this earth. He lived a perfect and a holy life so that one day he could die in your place. And he did that 2,000 years ago. At the age of 33, he died on the cross for you. And he broke the chains of sin and death once and for all, forever. And on the third day, he rose again, breaking the chains of sin and death forever. And he promises you eternal life if you would only put your faith in him and only him, no amount of good works that you've done. 
This is what our God did for us. This is what our God did for our neighbor, for every person, no matter how far you think you are. Call out to him right now. Those of us that have accepted, remember the promise that we have in him. And let's go tell someone. We're going to sing here in just a second. Worship once again. Hey, we want to thank you for continuing to give and to uh, you know, be faithful in your tithes and offerings. We cannot do this without you. It, uh, once again, if we would have known that we were not could be able to be in a church building for years, or for, not years, excuse me, for months and months and months. <laughs> Got a little ahead of myself there. But for months, if you'd have told us that, we would have panicked. But you have been so faithful, and we want to thank you for that. We need you to continue to do it, because we cannot do this without you. When we want to be able to hit the ground running, on the other end of this, more dedicated and going further than ever before. But if you can just click on that giving link, you can give through your tithes and offerings on that way. Hey, we love you so much, church. Let's pray and seal this in our hearts. God, we need you. God, help us to open our mouths, God, to those around us. God, help us to talk about you more than we talk about anything else. Help us to be authentic, God. Help us not to be fake. Help us to be trustworthy, have integrity. God, help our words to mean something. Help us to be people of truth. And help us lift up your name more than ever before. In your name we pray. Amen.